Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco's Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more. Yes, we
people from all your rooms, your cells around this city, around this country, around the world. Welcome. Welcome this Sunday morning. A special welcome to the UUs of Napa Valley and Reverend Lisa. It's great to have you with us this morning. I think we're welcoming Dennis's mom. Good morning and Hannah Clement Hartz's father, and other people have told me that they're simultaneously celebrating worship with their relatives far away, so welcome to everybody. Welcome, in San Francisco at least, to this sixth week anniversary of stay at home, so I hope everybody is showering occasionally, breathing deeply, being good to yourselves, and it's really good to be together again. I want to make sure, if you're joining us, that you have access to the order of service that'll guide you through the worship service, but also let you know about things that are going on in the community, even remotely. So definitely download it so you can sing along and follow along. And also definitely call if any of you need help getting the order of service this morning or at any time. I want to thank our special musical guest, Giacomo Fiore. It's wonderful to have you with us. And our talented team of musicians, Miwa and Brielle and Asher. Our gifted people behind the camera, Eric and Jonathan and Joe. We want to thank Susie for just being Susie. Merrick and Amy for the gorgeous flowers. We want to thank Scott for letting us in this morning. We want to thank everyone who makes all of this possible, which is all of you. And so we begin our worship. We begin it lighting a candle in honor of all of you, all of us who are separated in space, but together in spirit.
unison uh, chalice lighting. As we say these words, we light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. So I want to make sure if you're joining us that you also look on the YouTube page about other opportunities to connect including after the service for our virtual coffee hour. Please see the links that are there. Please, if you're new, reach out and send us your emails so we can send you our weekly update that comes that we call The Flame and our monthly newsletter too. We are beginning to find ways to be together and some of them are fantastic opportunities that are coming up just this week. So let me call a few to your attention. Immediately after service today, we are going to hold our first ever congregational meeting using Zoom. So all voting members of the congregation are invited to link into the meeting. You can find information about how to do that. You probably have an email about it. We're going to be voting on our mission vision statement and we're going to be voting for a search committee and a search process, at least the beginnings of it, as we move forward on our call for a senior minister of this congregation, which for me seems very important. <laughs> so I hope you'll join us on the call, this great experiment of ours. And thanks to all the people who are making it possible. I want to call your attention to a couple of things that are coming up this week. Again, on Mondays at 8 a.m., you have the opportunity to join again via Zoom with John Burens and Margot Campbell-Gross in a reflective spiritual practice. I joined them last week. I will join them again this week. It was beautiful and an amazing way to anchor the beginning of the week. So I invite you to join these two wise um, and grounded people in this hour at the start of your week. You can find information about that. And this Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8, and this Thursday from noon to 1.30 is our minister's book group, which at this very end of Poetry Month is going to be Bob Lavitt-Smith, Robert Lavitt-Smith, who's a member of the church and a published poet, and he's going to lead us through the shared reading of a bunch of his poems, a few of which I will send out to you in advance so you can sit with them and we can ask him questions. Bob is a love, so I invite you, if you love poetry, um, you will definitely enjoy Bob's poetry and just join us, but you will have to email me in advance to let me know that you're going to be joining. So my email is on the church website. Feel free to um, look it up and, and join us 6.30 Wednesday and noon to 1.30 on Thursday. I wanted to give people an update on last week's offering. We raised the full $1,000 to match the $9,000 in various matching grants that was out there for our decarbonization project, which will finish some of our attempts to make this building more um, 
green and to then learn how to replicate that process to share with other religious houses of worship and it's already, the work has already gotten started. So thank you so much for that um, show of support for the project. In addition, I just want to let people know if you haven't sent in your pledge, there's a button on the website to do so and other places as well. Let us know what financial commitment you can make from July 1st of next year till June 30th. It is not binding. If your circumstances change, we absolutely want to know about it and understand, and, and that is not an issue. But we do need to know as we get ready to plan our budget for next year. And on that note, too, if you've made a pledge, since you're not here and many of you put your checks in the plate on Sunday, if you can just make a point to send those in so that we get up to date for the end of the year, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you for all that you have made possible. We just got another gift today for some of our COVID relief. So if you are someone in need, please let us know. We'd like to be able to show this congregation's support for you in this time. So again, it is lovely to see all of you. This concludes our morning announcements, and we will now center ourselves by doing, as we do most weeks, our meditation on breathing together. So the words are in your order of service if you don't um, already know it, and you probably can learn it just by listening too if you want to settle into the moment. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, when I breathe in I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, covenant and sing our doxology. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Oh, oh. 
Recognizing there is human suffering all over the world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we bring our gong today in honor of two such places of suffering and struggle. We bring our gong in honor of the seven children who lost their lives in federal custody in our detention camps. And we let its ringing symbolically stand also for those adults who have lost their lives in these camps those who remain in such camps, many separated from their families, and those who wait in makeshift refugee camps at our border, waiting an asylum hearing. And today, we also ring our gong for other losses, those most on our minds this week, those lost to the virus we know by name, rehearsed daily in the updates we read, the symptoms we recognize, as of this morning, worldwide, there were 203,670 deaths from COVID-19. We ring our gong this morning for these lives too. May we keep those we have named and their families in our thoughts and prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this coming week, howsoever we can. Oh, 
us into a time of meditation. What is the sound of one hand clapping or of the footfall of a nun kneeling in prayer? The sound of the voice right before the first note of even song, or of the baby whose head dips sideways, or the shoulder before it catches the baby's head, or the hand before it cradles both. And us? What is the sound we hear right before hearing it? Let us be a people listening in such a place together. I invite us into shared silence.
Amen. said, wrinkles should merely indicate where smiles have been. True. And there are many different kinds of smiles. It's one thing to see a mouth smile. Now, in a time of virus and mass, our visual cues come mostly from our eyes. Perhaps that's a blessing, and as a result, we will learn to make more eye contact and find alternate ways to express our joy or sadness or not knowing. In my case, that of an experienced clown, smiles are sort of my stock and trade. Yet my own smiles seem more elusive lately. My extrovert personality feels a sense of loss from the isolation. I so miss interacting with my friends and fellow Unitarians and have a sad sweet wonder at what our new reality will shape out to be. Less hugging and physical closeness? How can I teach myself to be as positive and outgoing as I know I am deep down in this time of separateness, of loss and loneliness. Well, for one thing, I'm going to keep on smiling, with or without the mask. I think smiles show up in the eyes as well, 
and I'm determined to mine humor out of this bleak situation. The Grateful Dead sang, don't tell me this town ain't got no heart. I know this city is a civil oasis in an increasingly hostile world, but I worry a lot about those who are sheltering in place in awkward or downright dangerous conditions, such as the huge immigrant population our country is holding in cages. No social distancing there, or our totally overpopulated prisons as well. And domestic violence of any kind, physical, verbal, emotional, must be on the rise. I pray people will hold on and keep going, no matter how hopeless things may seem. Well, then there are my fellow human beings living in tents, no running water, no bathrooms to use, no masks being handed out. How are the homeless to cope with COVID-19? There is a solemn eeriness to a lockdown town. As I venture out with my dog Nugget, it feels like a movie, the emptiness, the boarded up businesses. My city I've always thought of as a clown sanctuary seems almost wounded. In my own life, I've fought bouts of severe depression and so I worry about those with similar conditions. I want to go to my window like the guy from Network and throw the window open and yell out the window, I'm happy as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, or something like that, something positive and uplifting and happy just to be. Anyway, it's spring and Mother Earth's rebirth goes on ever so thankfully. I want to share a message of that promise of new growth and change. In my lonely writer's garret, I will continue to try and find new things to smile about. Spring's bird song and hummingbird's flight. Our fearless or fearful leader makes enough gaffes per day in his so-called briefings to keep comedians busy for a long time. He surprises us with just how out there he can be. Everyone keeps talking about the new normal. Well, I was never all that comfortable with the old normal. I mean, come on, what is normal anyway? When I was growing up, my parents had this poster of a cat hanging onto a branch and the caption, hang in there, baby. It became one of our favorite sayings for a while. I want to urge each and every one of you to hang in there, baby, and I promise that I will as well. Thank you, Dennis. And now the offering for the works and continued ministries of this community will be both given and gratefully received.
born in 1952 in Santa Fe of Chicano and Apache descent, Jimmy Santiago Baca was abandoned by his parents and at 13 ran away from the orphanage that his grandmother had placed him in. In 1973, he was convicted of drug charges and spent five years in prison. It was there he learned to read and began writing poetry. He has over a dozen books now of poetry, memoirs, essays, and a screenplay that was made into a feature-length film. His poem today, Running Along the River, well, maybe it describes what will sound familiar, more familiar these days than ever. Today, running along the river, dead leaves cling to cathedral cottonwood branches, snap in the gusty breeze, give a crisp hiss. A wafer-thin wind spades up loose dust from the path, and above me, gray leaves clash soft in towering bows, boughs. Sound, sounds that may be heard in the silent yard of a monastery like the sandaled feet of monks praying, walking over the swept yard, walking and praying. I run beneath the winter leaves when right ahead of me at the turn a plump pheasant White ring neck, gray-black molded feathers, green phosphorescent head scurries into the dry brush, clashing like rosaries in the sleeves of nuns, hurrying to the chapel for evening mass. I jog on, a hawk, swoops out and vanishes into the treetops toward the river. Black crows, clean-swept dirt, then the end of the path, turning, heading north. I worry over the love I have for this woman. Then I see seven pairs of mallards burst up in fright at my sudden appearance, and I think of how they mate for life, and beyond them poised in the ditch bank with such regal bearing, a blue heron. It's then I hear a voice, a crystal shining, icicle clear voice. Cold water, but made of sound, tells me Keep my connection to the spirits strong. Keep my work spiritual. Stay connected to the Creator, and all my worries will be answered in time. Ah, uh, it's a good run. Here ends our reading. <laughs>
As a young person, I imagined it might be fun to be in the military. Something about the discipline, the clear instructions, the structure of it all seemed enticing. And strangely, although maybe not strangely, so too did intentional religious communities, monasteries and religious orders seem appealing to me and for some of the same reasons. Then at some point, having forgotten all this, but some point life got busy with career and a household with child and a dog. But the desire for the monastery came back stronger. For a while, I even kept a picture of the Holy Trinity Monastery in Meteora in Greece the one pictured on the cover of your order of service. I kept it tucked away. I'd pull it out in furtive moments, like sneaking time with some secret lover and stare at it. Oh, to be in that lonely cell, to be on the top of that cliff where no one could get to me doing all the quiet things that people who live in such places do. Well, a girl has to be careful what she asks for. One day my husband came home and said he'd been invited to start up the office in India of the nonprofit consulting organization that he's part of. And living in India, close to that part of our family. It's something we had promised to do if ever we got the chance, which is how I became this thing called a trailing spouse, a name I never quite got used to. And I suppose in our new life there, I could have, I could have entered into a life of activity the way so many trailing spouses did, but, well, there was certainly plenty I could have done, but. Having just made the decision to step away from the headlong tumble of life and thirsty, thirsty at my core for some slowness, for some quiet, for study, I decided to keep life small, sequestered. So somehow I made the busy, cramped city of Mumbai and my few rooms in it into a monastery. It was a place into which my husband and daughter appeared every day, and I welcomed them like the monks do to the guests. But then they left. They left this place and left me to its emptiness and I filled it with my monkish disciplines, and I loved it. When it was time to come back to the United States, I was definitely missing bigger community and the complicated fray of life, too. But I also returned wanting to mix the best of my Mumbai monastic time with the best of ministry and life in the fray of community and the, and the world. I keep quotes on my computer desktop, things I want to remind myself of, and one is by the 15th century late medieval writer and resident 
of monastic life, Thomas Akempis. Later in life, he would be in charge of instructing the novices. To them, he once wrote, if you wish to grow in your spiritual life, you must not allow yourself to be caught up in the workings of the world. You must find time alone, away from the noise and confusion, away from the allure of power and wealth. Monasteries have for centuries been just the places for people who seek such things. Places of vows that take you away from the pursuit of power and wealth, or are supposed to. Disciplines that make room for other things to take the place of what you've set aside. Things that take you inward. Years ago, when I was traveling in Bangkok, each morning near where I would stay, near the local temple complex, there would be this long row of young monks walking single file through the neighborhood. Many of them were maybe elementary or middle school aged, as I recall, their heads shaved, carrying their begging bowls, having taken temporary vows. I was told that many Thai families considered it important to have part of a boy's upbringing that he be spent to spend some of his time with the monks, learning the disciplines and the values there, the ones they hoped the boys would take with them into adulthood. Of course, rituals and disciplines are inherent to so much of monastic life across time and across traditions. Benedict of Nursia, you may have heard of him. He's the author of one of the most famous book of, well, rule book, guide to such a life and to the making of it in his sixth century treatise. The structures he wanted to put in place, they were partly a way to help the community function well, but they were ultimately about creating opportunities and habits for invitations to go deeper. They allocated time for rest and chores, a little bit of free time, lots of gatherings in every day for collective worship and prayer, but also stretches for mandatory silence and study. Most famously, the entire rules of St. Benedict begin with one word, listen. The other day, walking on the silent streets that you described so well, Dennis, eerily silent streets in my daily sunrise ritual of walking the dog, she, who is completely lost in the present moment every morning, delighting in creation, particularly the world of scent, well, on this walk, I noticed a car racing up the street, burning rubber, as it were, racing. But when I looked ahead, I noticed what it must have too, that up ahead awaiting it was a red light. It wasn't the first time in the week I had seen exactly that same trajectory. Racing to the red light, I said to myself under my breath, and it seemed like more of a 
metaphor. A few months ago, you and I and the whole world were often racing toward the red lights, weren't we? Busyness, of course, can become a habit, even an addiction, actually. Part of its appeal, though we may not notice it as such, is that it often stops us from having to ask the bigger, scarier questions, things like, who are we? How are we? Where are we in this life right now, and is that where we want to be? It stops us from thinking about the fact that we and all the people we love won't be around forever, the fragility and the tenuousness of everything we build. There is reason that illness and loss, they often press us right down into the fundamental truths of life, the ones worth living and dying for, and it's in part because they slow us down enough for the questions to catch up with us. Well, my loves, we are, most of us, slowed down. Have you noticed? We are bathed in silence these days, in stillness, in waiting, forced to listen. We didn't officially take vows of poverty, but other than food, most of us aren't spending much on anything but food these days. What is there to spend it on? And even the least among us who is inclined to be obedient, at least those who understand what's going on around us right now, what we're dealing with, are heeding the strict orders that come from our mayors and our governors. As for chastity, it's been forced on some. Others may be, I don't know, so irritated with their partner who's around all the time that it's a natural outcome of all this staying at home. I do secretly hope that some are breaking this vow because I am secretly praying for a mini baby boom when all this is over because we will need to see lots of new life. And instead of Rushing toward the red light, my friends, you and I, we've been plunged, haven't we, into a kind of modern temporary monasticism. We've been made to take some temporary vows and hold out our begging bowls every day and see what the day offers. It helps, I think, frame what we're going through to think of it that way. Did you know that those who are in charge of heading up the novices in a monastery, they often talk about the struggle and the loss that these young, new priests or nuns feel, how the novitiates struggle to be in this place without the noise and the trappings of the world, how hard it is to live this voice, this vow of committed life in close quarters to a select group of others, how strange it feels to have so much silence. They talk about how there's this period of resistance and mourning. Does that sound familiar to you? I mean, 
Even I, who intellectually thought I understood and had a hold on what we are going through, when it occurred to me the other day that the stay-at-home rule might be extended, which makes total sense that it might be, I started to cry. This forced asceticism, the stripping away of so much of what we knew and, and know to be life, it's painful, it's hard, it's full of loss. Funerals we can't attend, friends we can't see, plans we can't make. The novices of this COVID order of monks and nuns, well, we are probably in some collective mourning and struggle to adjust to the new disciplines we have entered into. But the elders in the monasteries, they're clear that there's a lot to learn if their novices and novitiates can stay with the effort, stay in it. Things happen, after all, when we focus, when our focus is narrowed, right? When it's narrowed to just a few essential things. Think about it. Who has noticed recently things in their neighborhood that have been there for as long as they've lived there that they never saw before, hidden in plain sight, as it were? Who who started paying attention to the tastes or found themselves lost in the ritual moment, almost sacred, of chopping vegetables in preparation for the night's meal? Who has remembered a long-lost friend and been moved to reconnect? When life gets small, one of the surprises is that it can get bigger, too. The rule of St. Benedict puts significant emphasis on ways to make life smaller so we could go deep into it, but also in the importance of living in harmony in our community. Does that have any relevance to any of you? If your roommates are sitting next to you right now, um, don't nod and pretend like you understand that there could be strife in close quarters. Just furrow your brow like you have no idea what I'm talking about and say some dismissive sound like, huh? And then listen carefully. Benedict invited people to go deep into the imperfection of life and find the gifts hidden there, and that included our time together. The communities put strong emphasis on things like accepting one another as we are. Life together, they were clear, wasn't a chance to now really spend some time fixing the other person's flaws. It was was and is about your practice discipline of looking for and finding the good in the other. And the monks and nuns will point out the obvious that the hard work isn't just living together per se, but it's in learning to live with those who are, well, who your heart's resisting, let's say. 
And in this regard, the novices, they were pushed to see those people in particular as the ones who had something to teach them about the nature of love, the ones who had the most to teach them about some place of spiritual hardness or immaturity. Mind you, we're not talking about abusive behaviors. We all have the right to resist those and get help and get away, but we're just talking about how we often find ourselves together, especially in times like these. And if all of your loved ones, by the way, are outside of the house or apartment and you live alone, don't think you're exempt from the challenge of the work. It waits for us at every corner. Most monastic communities also were huge fans of fixed schedules, so maybe this will be useful. So much time and so much structure has been taken, well, we have so much time and so much structure has been taken away from all of us that we can often find ourselves feeling at sea. People have reported that to me, that days can go by. And so the monks would argue for a good old rigid schedule to build in time for rest and eating and chores. After all, the gardens need to be tended and the food made and schedule time for things you thought you never had time for, too. Overall, though, in the spaciousness that we're allowed, we are reminded to embrace the chance to listen. I woke up recently, weeks, after having felt busy making sure that I knew how to work remotely and weeks after getting a house that normally held three readied for a fourth permanent resident with places for sleeping and study for everyone. And when the business and busyness of all of that first wave or two of adjustment was done, I was out walking the dog and I had a moment that went deep. You know the moments. It was one where the silence was thick and firm and abundant. And I looked up and I felt like I was in some kind of a walled garden for a moment. The birds were so loud. I wondered, are they always this busy and loud singing and talking? And the trees, they seemed more imposing than I remember them, like these stately matriarchs and patriarchs all standing guard, aunts and uncles along the street, and the flowers and the lushness of the air even, and the colors around me blew me away, and it all felt vibrant, and it felt breathing and brighter, and that we had entered into some sort of magical place only It was a street I have walked on any number of times and never felt was particularly remarkable. And I thought, I feel like I'm in a cloister. I was like our poet on his run in a world transformed. And then I thought, oh, Vanessa, we're back in the monastery. May we all live deeply into this time. 
listen, love one another better, see the world with new eyes. Enjoy the stopping from racing toward red lights of all kinds and come to know our own and one another's hearts more fully. And listen for what whispers in the hush of a world gone quiet for a spell. Blessings, my fellow novices, in this monastery of our time. Blessings to us all.
beast. Somebody's calling my name. shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more.